Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. I planned on concluding our What Really Matters series today. We're going to talk about the church of Laodicea from Revelation chapter 3. And I was excited to bring this message to you today. I was excited to um, ask you this question, are you hot or are you cold? Because that's what Laodicea is about. And I was excited to challenge you and to give you a time to respond and to get you in the altars. We're going to do that next week. We've added one more week to this series. We're going to continue to look at what really matters, but we're going to look at it from a different angle. And we're going to take a break from the seven churches in Revelation, and we're going to look at something that I believe is very, very important for the body of Christ today and is very important to the heart of God. Before I, before I say anything else today, I want you to hear me. I have cried over this message. I've spent a lot of time over this message. And please do not misinterpret anything that I say today. Anything I speak in this message, don't, don't misinterpret it. Don't misinterpret my heart. Don't misinterpret my, mo- my motives. If you're part of the Destiny Church family in the room or watching online, if you have any questions with anything I say today, any concerns, any misunderstanding, please, 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 I ask you this. Don't talk poorly about me to your neighbors. Come talk to me. If you have a question, come talk to me. Come hear why I say what I say. I believe that God wants us to be bridge builders. I believe that's our calling. And so that's my goal today is to help build bridges for the body of Christ. That's what I want to do. And so if you have any questions, just come, come and talk to me. But I believe that you'll hear the heart of this message. Over the course of the past few weeks in our country, you can see that our country, let's, let's, even, let's, let's not just deny this, for the past several hundred years, our country has had an issue. But specifically over the past couple of weeks, our country has been overwhelmed with issues of race, hatred, violence, rioting and looting in our streets, oppression, brutality toward police officers, destruction of property. And today I want to discuss this with you. Right before COVID hit, I was in Europe. It was actually already here, but I was in Europe, I was in Europe to um, tour two Nazi prison camps, two German prison camps, Auschwitz and Birkenau, and let me just tell you, if you ever get the opportunity to go to one of those places, I tell you to go, it's one of the most gut-wrenching things you'll ever experience To see that humanity could do that to humanity absolutely blew me away. It was was honestly, uh, it was a feeling that I I could not express or describe what I saw there. There, It was a mixture between extreme sorrow, sickness and sadness and anger mixed into one. 
And I was there to tour those prison camps, but specifically with the goal of taking communion at a place called Juden Camp. It was a um, drop-off station where the Germans would bring Jewish people by train, and they would assign them straight for death or to a prison camp. And we went to take communion at that place and break that curse and break off that stronghold on just humanity. I was there with 58 different people from 13 different nations. There were Americans there. There were Germans there. There were French people there. There were Africans there. There were white people. There were black people. There were Jews. It was a perfect picture of what the body of Christ should look like. The night before we took communion, we were actually... Um, in our hotel, and, and Pastor Stovall Weems, who Celebration Church is a friend of ours, and Pastor Stovall called all of us together for prayer, 58 of us, in the basement of a hotel. And we prayed in a little conference room, and it was truly one of the most powerful times of prayer I've ever experienced in my life. As over two hours, we sat there, and you could hear people weeping, and people would stand up and just begin to declare things and begin to speak things and what the Lord was saying to them. And for 30 to 45 minutes, the Lord was putting something in my heart. I didn't know, but about three or four of the people in the room. And the Lord started speaking to me that night to repent. And to repent of my silence toward issues concerning race. And that night, as with tears streaming down my face, I stood in a room. And I felt the Lord tell me to repent for my silence as a pastor concerning race. And concerning oppression. And I stood with strangers in the room and I repented. And the next morning, I had, a, I had a conversation. Actually, I just received a text from this morning, from this man this morning, just before I came on the stage. A black pastor by the name of Tim Timberlake out of Jacksonville, Florida. We had a conversation after I repented and I looked at him in the face. And I said, can you please help me understand racism? I said, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I mean, look around you. Look at Destiny Church. We're white. We have a few minorities in our building, but for the most part, we're white. And I told him, I said, I'm not around minorities very often. I don't understand it. I said, is it really that big of a deal? And he said, yeah, it's a big deal. And we sat there for over an hour and I cried with him. As he explained to me fears that he has. A black man married to a white woman. And telling his son, when he gets in the car with just, in dad, with just the dad himself, he says, and he's a pastor of a church of over 15,000 people. And he says, when I get in the car and I go to drive, I'm afraid that I might be pulled over when my son is with me. But he doesn't have that happen to him when his mother's with him. We talked about issues of race. And I did not know that on that March, that March day that I was talking to him, that the first issue I would address when I came back into Destiny Church was race. I had a completely different message prepared. Something else that God had put in my heart weeks in advance. 
But I cannot not address this issue, even if it makes us uncomfortable in this room. If you have your Bible, look at Psalm chapter 82 with me today, Psalm 82. And it says this, defend the defenseless, the fatherless and the forgotten, the disenfranchised and the destitute. Your duty is to deliver the poor and the powerless, liberate them from the grasp of the wicked. But if you continue in your darkness and in your ignorance, while the foundations of society are shaken to the core. If you follow me on social media, you will notice that I made a post on social media. If you don't follow your pastor and you didn't see that post, shame on you. You should follow your pastor on social media. But anyway... But these past few weeks or so, and can I just be raw today? Can I just be real? This past few weeks, I've wrestled with questions and with sorrow. I've struggled. I've wrestled with anger and I've wrestled with confusion, as I know many of you have been confused. I've struggled for many days with what to say to what I see happening in our nation. From issues of race to oppression to injustice to violence toward police officers to anti-government. If, if I could just say one thing today that I think every one of us could agree on, I would say this. Our nation desperately needs healing. Our nation desperately needs healing. Healing now probably more than ever before. And I've wrestled. What do I say? How do I say what I'm feeling in my heart? How do I express the pain? How do I express the sorrow? How, how do I express the anger? How do I express this confusion that I feel? Because I don't have all the answers. I think one of the number one things I would love to have everybody in the church know is as a pastor, I don't have all the answers. How do I express the remorse that I feel? How do I express the shame that I feel? Because the truth is this, I don't want to say anything wrong. I've avoided subjects like this because I, I didn't want to be misunderstood. I don't want to sound ignorant. I don't want to sound uneducated. I don't want to divide when I'm trying to unite. I don't want to divide when I'm trying to bring healing. But I can't stay silent on something that is impacting the body of Christ and humanity I can't stay silent on issues of race. And when I say issues of race, I'm not just speaking towards African Americans. I can't stay silent on issues of race because I'm afraid that somebody's going to get angry at me. I know you already have. I know some of you will. But I can't stay silent on this issue. Because what I see happening in our country today is a big deal. 
And I don't know what day it was this week, but this thought went through my mind as I'm sitting there every night watching the news and I'm watching, watching the craziness of what's happening. And this thought just went through my mind, enough is enough. Let me say this, racial reconciliation is a big deal. Racial reconciliation is desperately needed and it's at the very heart of the gospel. It's not a minor issue. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says this, God has revealed his grace to save the entire human race. Let me just tell you something. God has never made a person he doesn't love. God has never made a person he doesn't want in heaven. Be they black, be they white, be they Hispanic, be they a thief, be they a police officer. God has never made a person that Jesus didn't die for. Can I, can I just let you in on a little secret? I don't know if you know this, but race, different colors of skin, different ethnicities, that was God's idea. God created us, man and woman, in his image. This is God's idea. God loves every single person. This week I was actually reminded of a song we used to sing when I was in kids' church. And it says, Jesus loves the little children. All the little children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. And there's one word from that song that really jumps out at me. It's the word all. Jesus loves all the children, all of us. So what I did this week is I engaged in some conversations. For those of you that misunderstand race, pause. For those of you that misunderstand race, for those of you that are sitting in your house looking at your television screens and saying, this is not a big deal. Why are they acting this way? Why is this craziness happening? Why don't you listen to somebody of a different color than you? Why don't you sit down and have a conversation? Sit down with a police officer. Sit down with somebody who doesn't agree with you. Sit down with somebody who doesn't believe like you. And have a conversation. That's what I did this week. I engaged in multiple conversations. And you know what I did? I didn't talk. I listened. I texted and called several of my black friends. And I said, can I call you? And I had conversations with them, and I cried with some of them. As I looked across a Zoom screen or a FaceTime screen, as I heard their hurt, some of them I'd hang up with them and I would just sit there and cry. I heard them tell me things like this. Yeah, Chad, racism is rampant. I heard them tell me things like, I'm afraid to get in my car. Oftentimes and drive because I'm afraid of the violence that I might face. I heard them say racism is a big deal. But not only did I reach out to my black friends, I reached out to other minority friends. I sat down on my couch. I had conversations. 
I reached out to police officers and I talked to them and the stigma they now face. I tell you, if there's one thing I would hate to be in our world today, it's a police officer. And my hat goes off to you. Let me just say this before I go any further. I am anti-anything that wants to defund police programs. I am for our police officers. Anything that would come against that, I am anti that. Are there bad police officers out there? Yes, there are. There are bad pastors out there. And as I listened, my eyes, my ears, my heart, my soul, my spirit, all of it was opened. And I felt God nudging me like only God can nudge me. And I felt God convicting me in areas that only God convict me. And I felt God revealing areas of my life and where I'm not a racist. But I felt God telling me, you're not the reconciler that I want you to be. You're not the bridge builder that I want you to be. You've stayed silent. And this week I read something about seven different attitudes toward racism that I want to bring to you today. And as I read these, as I share these with you today, I want you to find out where you land. I want you to have an honest conversation with yourself. But I don't think we can only judge ourselves in moments like this. I think we need to ask other people, hey, where do you think I land? Seven areas concerning racism. The the worst one is this one. It's the first one. It's a racist. You know what racist is? They hate other races. They bully people of other races. They discriminate against people of other races. Every single one of you in this room, those watching online, our generation, those of us that are breathing in this room, our generation needs to eradicate racism and injustice in this world. This generation, those of us breathing today, those of us that are alive today, we need to eradicate this. Enough is enough. We need to stop it. This is at the heart of who God is. We have to stop this. There is no place, I said it earlier, but people of all colors were created by God. God designed them. God loves them. You don't hold God's favor because of our whiteness. And I know that's not something we all want to hear. James chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says this. You will be doing the right thing if you obey the law of the kingdom, which is found in Scripture. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. But verse 9 says, but if you treat people according to their outward appearance, listen to this, you are guilty of sin. Did you hear that? I've never read that verse and had it capture my heart like that until this week. Look over at verse 12 and 13. It says, talk and act. Talk and act like a person expecting to be judged by the rule that sets us free. Listen, for if you refuse to act kindly, you can't expect to be treated kindly. Listen to me. If we're going to eradicate racism, if we're going to eradicate oppression, if we're going to be bridge builders, if this is going to be the generation that's going to unite the world and make a difference, listen to me. We must talk and we must act. I can't just tweet something. I can't just put something out on social media. I have to act. I have to stand on a stage and talk about these issues. We have to eradicate it. Number one, the first area we see is races. Second one is a, is a big word. It's the word bigot. A bigot believes stereotypes and they belittle people who hold differing opinions of them. And I'm not just talking about race here. They also have hatred and intolerance toward people of other races. 
and other beliefs. The third one is an avoider. Their mindset is this. I'm not a racist. I'm not a bigot. I'm just uncomfortable around people of other races. So I avoid them. This is not what God has called us to do. The fourth one is somebody that's insensitive. They're insensitive to what hurts other people. They may not be avoiding. You you may even have friends of a different race, but we're not sensitive to what might hurt other people. Can I just say this today, and this applies to all areas of life, not just to race, but you don't get to decide what hurts other people. They do. Other people don't decide what hurts you. You determine if it hurts. I think one of the worst things we can say to a child when they're hurting is that doesn't hurt. How do you know what hurts? We're insensitive. We're insensitive to others. The fifth one is apathetic. You just don't care or you don't think it's a big deal. And sadly, this is where I found myself in March. I didn't think racism was a big deal. It wasn't that I just, I didn't care. I just honestly didn't think it was a big deal. I would even tell people, I would even get angry at television screens. And when I would see people talk about race, I would say, this is not a big deal. Why are people acting this way? Why are people getting upset? I remember saying things like racism isn't that bad. But I was talking to all of you and asking you if you're impacted by race. I remember saying things like people aren't this evil. Was I ever wrong? I repented to God, I've repented to my minority friends, and I repent to this room today. Listen, we can no longer say it's not a big deal. We can no longer say this doesn't matter. It matters. God cares. Let's look at a couple of positive attitudes towards racism, though. How many want something positive, all right? We have people that are sensitive. You're kind. You're caring. You're inclusive, and this is a good place to be, but can I tell you, God has even more for us. Sensitive is where I found myself after I had my conversations in Europe. I was now sensitive. I was now being kind. I was now aware of the issue. But, but not only should we be sensitive, we should also be number seven, and that is a reconciler. That's a, this is a bridge builder. Can I just tell you, Destiny Church, this is what God wants us to be. God wants us to be bridge builders. I believe that's a call on this church right now in this time and in this season. God wants us to be bridge builders. God wants us to build bridges between people of different races and different backgrounds and different beliefs. And the Bible tells us, listen to me, if you're a Christian, you must be a reconciler. That's what it tells us. 2 Corinthians 5, 16, and then 18 through 19. We have to stop evaluating others from a human point of view and then skip to verse 18. It says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And listen, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And listen, and God has given us this wonderful message of reconciliation. In the society that we live in that's being pulled apart more and more by the day. And listen, we're not just being pulled apart by race. We're being pulled apart by politics. We're being pulled apart by religious ideas. We're being pulled apart at every seam. 
Watch it. It's, it. You see our world and our nation crumbling. If anybody needs to settle relationships, if anybody needs to be a reconciler, it's us. If anybody needs to be a peacemaker, it's Christians. The Bible tells us, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are children of God. God has called us right here at Destiny Church. We are called to be peacemakers. We are called to be reconcilers. I've honestly, let me get to the heart of what I've been hearing God tell me. I've honestly heard God tell me, say my name, Chad Blancett. I've called you. He didn't say your name. He said, Chad, I've called you to unite the body. And I'll tell you, I, I've, I was terrified to preach this message. If I've ever had a message that I was like, I'm afraid to communicate on, it was this one. Even though this message is coming from my heart, this message has caused turmoil inside me because I don't want anyone in this room or anyone watching to think, well, he's now anti-police. That's the furthest thing from the truth. I don't want anybody to think he's anti-white people because I am one. I don't want people to think I'm anti-black or I'm anti-this or I'm anti I just want to preach a message that God has put in my heart where God has said, Chad, reconcile the body. Be a voice. Don't be silent. I hear God telling me, Psalm 82, defend the defenseless. Defend the fatherless. Defend the forgotten. Dis defend the disenfranchised. Defend the destitute. I hear God telling me, Chad, I need your voice. And you know what I hear God whispering right now in this service? Brian Penny, I need your voice. Alan Brown, I need your voice. Cameron Isles, I need your voice. That's what I hear him saying. I hear him saying that justice is a must. Injustice must be removed. It is not acceptable. Oppression must stop. And please hear me. This is not something we can fix politically. Can our government help put laws in place that help? Yes, I believe that our government can put laws in place that help. But listen to me. This is not something our president can fix. Whether you agree with him or not, this is not something our president can fix. And you can say, well, I can vote him out. Go ahead and do that. The next president can't fix this. You know who God created to bring people together? You know who God created to be bridge builders? You know who God created to bring the body together? The church. This is a conversation that has to happen in the church. In the church for far too long, we've avoided subjects that might anger people because we want to make sure that people are sitting in our seats. The church has to stand up. The church has to be a voice. The church has to make a difference. Let me say that again. The church has to make a difference. We're in a series called What Really Matters. You know what really matters to Jesus? Yeah, we've looked at the seven churches in Revelation, but you know what the church, you know what Jesus wants it to look like? Jesus wants the church to be united. Unity. You know, one of the most powerful things that happened in the church in Acts, they were united under one cause. If we're going to be the voice that God has called us to be, we must unite. Red, yellow, black, and white, police officer, thief, we must unite. We must come together. We have to be bridge builders. So as I begin to wrap up, I... I want to talk to you about a story that's found in Luke chapter 15. And it's a story 
of the lost sheep. It's a parable about a man who had 100 sheep. One of those sheep got separated from the flock. And conventional wisdom would say, just let the one sheep go. You still have 99. And Jesus said, no, we're, we're going to go look for the one sheep. And over the past week or so, I've thought about this story quite a bit. Because Jesus tells us there are times that we must leave the comfort, the comfort and the security of the flock. And we must go after the one that's hurting. Because you see, to Jesus, one life matters just as much as the 99 lives matter. And so today in the age in which we live, I could stand up here and say all lives matter. Which they do. And that's where I've been. And that's when I would look at my black friends on camera as we talked across cameras or as I looked at minority friends that were sitting on my couch I said I've always been an all lives matters guy and they said we get that we understand that and we're all lives matter see every single person in this room matters to me more so than ever before you matter to me Every single person matters to God. Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world. They are precious in his sight. But today in the world in which we live, I feel God nudging me. And I feel God asking me as a, as a pastor, as a human being, as a white man to stand on this sage. And say black lives do matter. And please hear me when I say that. I am not aligning myself with a a movement or a political party. I'm speaking to my friend Wayne Francis. Who pastors in New York. And he told me I'm going to be watching this message. I'm speaking to you right now and I'm telling you, you matter to me. This morning I text my cousins who have Lindsay's uncles who have adopted entire football teams and basketball teams to be a part of their family but no they've they've got they've adopted white kids they've adopted black kids and you go up there and it's like chaos so many people but I text them this morning and my uncle Jackie who's adopted a little black girl, and I, and I told them I link arms with you. And every person of minority, every person of a different color, every person who believes differently than me, you matter to me. I hear you. I grieve with you. I sympathize with you. I'm here. And for those listening today, those in the room, those watching, and if you disagree with me, I have to say sometimes in life, the one has to know that they're just as important, just as loved, and just as valued as the 99. So you matter to me. I believe this is one of those times 
when we can build a bridge. Let me close today by sharing with you three ways we can eradicate racism in this generation. You ready for it? Three ways I believe that we, the church, can eradicate racism. And I want you to write these down. I want you to catch them. We must see people as God sees people, number one. We must see people as God sees people. We already looked at it, James 2. If you judge people by the outward appearance, it's sin. But 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. This is, this is the prophet going and looking and judging by height and weight and hair color. And God tells the prophet Samuel, hey, don't look at the outward appearance. He says, you look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. So if we're going to eradicate racism in this world, we must see people as God sees people. Number two, we must listen. Everybody say that word with me. Say, listen. Let's say it online. Say, listen. All right? Everybody, we must listen to everyone with respect. Something I'm working on right now is I want to get people of different races police officers and pastors and I want to sit us in a room and I want to say nobody can argue only you can listen and I want us to hear each other's hearts because we've got to build bridges we must listen with respect this week can I tell you can I just give you an action step this week can I just give you one action step this week I want you to find somebody who doesn't agree with you, who doesn't align with you politically, who's of a different color of skin than you, a different race of you, and I want you to pick up the phone and I want you to call them and I want you to say, tell me what's going on in your world. And I want you to listen to them with respect. And then number three, the third way that I believe we can eradicate racism is we have to love everybody the way Jesus loves everybody. John 15, 12, Jesus said this, love each other as I have loved you. And I'm 100% confident that as we unite together and as the church stands up and as the church stops being silent, we can and we will make a difference. I believe as the church stands up, as the church becomes a voice, listen to me, we will see revival in this land. We will see revival in this church. There will be an awakening in the church. There will be a move of God. I believe that. I don't know about you. But I'm ready to see a move of God. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.